you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. It was 1986, and I was a junior in college. A new book by Melody Beatty entitled Codependent No More took the self-help and counseling world by storm. It sold 8 million copies, and everyone seemed to be talking about it. Now, the idea of codependency actually has its roots in the theories of German Freudian psychoanalyst Karen Horney. In 1941, she proposed that some people tend to adopt what she termed a moving toward personality style to overcome their basic anxiety about life. Essentially, these people move toward others by gaining their approval and affection, then subconsciously control them through their very dependent style. They are unselfish, virtuous, martyr-like, faithful, and turn the other cheek despite personal humiliation. According to Horni, approval from others is more important than respecting themselves. The term codependency itself is most often identified with Alcoholics Anonymous, which originally used the label co-alcoholic to describe a relative of an alcoholic who actually interfered with the alcoholic's recovery. This was usually the spouse, and the behavior became known as enabling. The addictions industry began speaking of the addict's network that kept him or her addicted. Then, in 1985, a book by Robin Norwood entitled Women Who Love Too Much also described the elements of codependency. It sold millions and spawned 12-step groups for women who were addicted to men. While at its height of popularity, many mental health professionals sought to include codependency in the list of personality disorders. That has still not happened yet. So, codependency has now found its way into our modern lexicon. You may know people who call themselves or others codependent. You may be in a codependent relationship with a spouse or even a friend. There are even websites that will help you evaluate whether or not you have a codependent personality or need to get out of a codependent situation. So, what does the Bible say about codependency? No, you won't find that term in a concordance or in a Google Bible verse search. But does that mean God's word will be of no help to the codependent or that it is some modern psychological problem not addressed by scriptural principle? Unfortunately, I've had pastors call me in the past and tell me this very thing, believing codependency to be a problem that cannot be helped biblically, that it needs the help of a specialist. Well, what if we change the diagnostic label from codependency to co-idolatry? Does that bring the Bible back into play? If we see the challenging problem of codependence as a relational idolatry problem, we can then dig down deep and get to the heart of the matter. 
So what is codependency? Here are some common descriptions of this complicated problem. Codependency is characterized by a person belonging to a dysfunctional one-sided relationship where one person relies on the other for meeting nearly all of their emotional needs. Or then there's this one. Codependency describes a relationship that enables another person to maintain their irresponsible, addictive, or underachieving behavior. And then there's this from another source. Do you expend all of your energy in meeting your partner's needs? Do you feel trapped in your relationship? Are you the one that is constantly making sacrifices in your relationship? Then you may be in a codependent relationship. The author of those series of questions ends with this bad and good news for the codependent. Researchers also found that codependent symptoms get worse if left untreated. The good news is that they're reversible. So I guess we're meant to believe that codependency is a medical illness that needs treatment. Well, here's a description from another psychologist. The traditional definition of codependency has focused on control, nurturing, and maintenance of relationships with individuals who are chemically dependent or engaging in undesirable behavior such as narcissism. A classic codependency model is the alcoholic husband and his enabling wife. She goes on to list these diagnostic questions. Does your sense of purpose involve making extreme sacrifices to satisfy your partner's needs? Is it difficult to say no when your partner makes demands on your time and energy? Do you cover your partner's problems with drugs, alcohol, or the law? Do you constantly worry about others' opinions of you? Do you feel trapped in your relationship? Do you keep quiet to avoid arguments? Hopefully you get the idea. A codependent person relies on another person to fill all his or her emotional needs while at the same time covering and enabling the other person's bad behavior. So working with this description, how exactly does a person become codependent? Here is one therapist's thoughts. At birth, we are intrinsically vulnerable and utterly dependent on our caregivers for food, safety, and regulation. An infant's attachment and bonding to one or more caregivers is critical for physical and emotional survival. This fundamental attachment makes the infant reliant on the needs and vulnerabilities of the caregiver. Growing up with an unreliable or unavailable parent means taking on the role of caretaker and or enabler. A child in this situation puts the parent's needs first. When the parentified child becomes an adult, he or she repeats the same dynamic in their adult relationships. Well, let me translate this for you. Basically, a codependent person is created in childhood when he or she becomes the parent of his or her parents. So this controlling parenting behavior is then carried forward into adult friendships or even marriage. Now, I think there's some truth in this interesting observation. For example, growing up in a home where a parent is an alcoholic can certainly tempt a child to become over-controlling, over-responsible, and even an enabler, covering for the behavior. 
this dynamic can lead to choosing an addict to marry and living out that same role. But even though some psychological theories like this one can provide us with some accurate analysis of the progress and process of a problem, they can never tell us why someone becomes a codependent or what is the best thing to do about it. To demonstrate the difference between a secular psychological approach and a wise biblical approach, I will again attempt to compare the two when it comes to why codependency develops and how to solve it. So here's the first item to consider. Codependents have a low self-esteem. From a secular psychological vantage point, the codependent does not feel good about herself, having deep feelings of shame. So her helping and controlling behavior in a relationship makes her feel needed and wanted, loved and respected. Well, a more biblical explanation is this. Codependents have a self-focus, a heightened self-love. What appears to be a low view of self or a low self-esteem is actually an overly high one. The codependent believes she needs to be loved and wanted in a relationship because of her self-centered sinfulness. The world must revolve around her. She is dependent on another to make her feel better because she is not Christ-centered. All right, here's a second description to consider. Codependents are people-pleasers. Here's a view from a psychologist. It's fine to want to please someone you care about, but codependents usually don't think they have a choice. Saying no causes them anxiety. They can't say no to anyone. They go out of their way and sacrifice their own needs to accommodate other people. Now here's a better biblical explanation. We can agree that pleasing people is good and normal, but being a people pleaser is a whole different ballgame. God's word gives us the command to not be people pleasers, but rather be God pleasers. The question is, why is a codependent afraid or unable to say no? It's not that she is sacrificing herself or her needs. She actually needs to say yes. In other words, her greater need is to please people, greater than her need to please God. To say it another way, the codependent has made an idol out of a particular person or people in general. This is a form of sinful worship of needing to serve and please another person to be pleased yourself. People-pleasing is a sinful, idolatrous act that must be confessed and repented of. It is the process of making people into gods, into my highest value in this world. When we become God-pleasers, we seek to serve and love others because we are obeying and pleasing God alone, not to satisfy self, not just to make someone else love us. Again, psychological wisdom says that people have low self-esteem, so they need to find their worth in someone else. The true heart dynamic is that people love themselves too much and expect that others would love them too much as well. Well, let's try another contrast. Codependents have poor boundaries. Here's the psychological viewpoint again. Codependents have blurry or weak boundaries in their relationships. 
They feel responsible for other people's feelings and problems or blame their own on someone else. But some codependents have rigid boundaries, closed off from others, making it hard for other people to get close to them. The solution? Healthy boundaries, of course. Now, I've spoken in length about the problems with a boundaries view of relationships. This particular explanation isn't even helpful. Which is it? Do codependents have weak boundaries or rigid boundaries? What exactly is a healthy boundary? Well, here's a more fundamental biblical understanding that codependency isn't relating to others the way God has commanded. We have been created to be interdependent on one another, not independent and not dependent. Immature children are dependent, and then they end up fighting for their independence. Godly adult relationships are built on the one another in commands of the New Testament. We are to love one another, serve one another, exhort one another, forgive one another, and the list goes on. When relationships become one-sided and not mutual, they are not true relationships. The solution isn't better boundaries so the other person won't hurt me or use me or control me. We must go deeper to understand what has gone wrong in the relationship. Again, codependents need to be challenged to think about why they are over-responsible in a relationship, why the relationship is not mutual. What is she doing to keep it a one-sided affair? And how is the other person complicit in this poor relationship? Then there's this point. Codependents are reactive. Here's the psychological view. A consequence of poor boundaries is that the codependent reacts to everyone's thoughts and feelings. If someone says something you disagree with, you either believe it or become defensive. You absorb their words because there's no boundary. With a boundary, you'd realize it was just their opinion and not a reflection of you, and you wouldn't feel threatened by their disagreements. So again, according to the psychological world, the problem is poor boundaries. If a person has healthy boundaries, they think properly about what is being said versus just reacting emotionally. But why does a person simply absorb another's opinions rather than have a right view of self? Well, a biblical understanding is that the person isn't thinking about God's view of self. Again, when people become big... God becomes small. So when a codependent hears negative criticism of any kind, she only reacts poorly because she doesn't use wise discernment. She doesn't think about what God says and what the truth is. When a husband says, you're a terrible wife because you don't have dinner on the table when I get home, a proper response on the wife's part is not to absorb and believe it or even throw a pot at his head. It is to do the following, respectfully rebuke her husband for his harshness, examining self to see if there's any sin in her. Maybe she is purposely not serving her husband well, but maybe she is doing a good job, but it's just not to his perfectionistic level. Then she can confess sin if there's sin or respectfully disagree and communicate what is really going on. Then she must forgive and continue to love and serve her difficult husband. Now, we could go much more into detail, but hopefully that shows you a more biblical process 
than simply putting up a boundary and choosing not to react. Relationships are hard, and they're designed to sanctify us. Let's get back to our discussion of codependency, highlighting a biblical response to the challenging pattern of relating to others. Here's another issue. Codependents are caretakers. According to the psychological experts, another effect of poor boundaries is that if someone else has a problem, a codependent wants to help him to the point of giving up self. Codependents always put people ahead of themselves. They are fixers. So while this is a helpful observation about codependency, we once again ask two questions. Why and what do we do about it? Why do people become caretakers at the expense of caring for self? Yes, it happens when they make people into idols. They seek fulfillment by solving other people's problems, by being important, even necessary to others. It's really a double idolatry. The other person becomes an idol, and self is an idol, deserving of the highest of worship. It may sound sacrificial to put the needs of others over the needs of self, but in this case, it's a warping of the great commandments. The Bible doesn't say love others more than you love yourself. It says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Only then can you love others as you already love yourself. So the biblical approach has nothing to do with setting better boundaries. The solution is moving from an idolatrous caretaking to a biblical loving caregiving. This may sound like a semantic difference, but it really is the difference between heart directions. One is towards loving God. The other is still focused on promoting self. And then there's this observation. Codependents need control. Here again is the psychological stance. Control helps codependents feel safe and secure. For codependents, control limits their ability to take risks and share feelings. They also need to control those close to them because they need other people to behave in a certain way to feel okay. In fact, people-pleasing and caretaking can be used to control and manipulate people. This is certainly a good observation from the mental health establishment. Codependency is all about control and manipulation of other people and the world in general. That's what makes codependents such anxious people. The classic example of this is the wife married to an alcoholic. He stays out all night drinking with his buddies, only to be too hungover to go to work the next morning. When the boss calls, the wife tells him, that her husband has the flu and can't make it to work today. What else is she to do? She can't have him lose his job, right? As hard as this situation is, a true codependent is acting out of her need to control things, to cover up for her husband, and to keep the family finances intact. If this scenario repeats itself over and over and over again, the codependent wife will need to become more and more controlling. Hopefully you see that this sort of marriage needs biblical marriage counseling right away. This warped system cannot go on. The husband will need to solve his addiction 
but the wife will need to learn what a true godly helpmate looks like according to God's word. Giving up the need to control people and all of life requires a humility and submission to the sovereign love and power of God. This is a great leap of faith that must happen in order for change to occur. Then there's this one. Codependents struggle with communication. Listen to this observation. Codependents have trouble when it comes to communicating their thoughts, feelings, and needs. Codependents either don't know what they think or feel or are not truthful about what they think or feel. Codependents are often afraid to be truthful because they don't want to upset someone else. So their communication becomes dishonest and manipulative. Yes, another good description of how codependents relate to others. Their dependence makes them passive, fearful, leading to dishonesty and poor communication. So we just need to tell the codependent person to be honest in their communication, right? For sure. But that alone will not bring change. Again, why is the codependent not communicating well? It goes back to idolatry, control, and sinful anxiety. According to God's word, our words come from the overflow of our hearts. Heart change is required here before honesty will flow. Also, the codependent has to learn to not fear other people, but fear God instead. This, again, is the sin of people-pleasing rather than the virtue of being a God-pleaser. And then there's this one. Codependents are obsessive. They have a tendency to spend their time thinking about other people or relationships. This is caused by their dependency and anxieties and fears. They can become obsessed when they think they've made a mistake in the relationship. Codependents could also fantasize about how they'd like things to be or about someone they love in order to avoid the pain of the present. So again, we have a good observation and description of a symptom of codependency. Why are codependents often obsessive in their relationships? Well, that's simple. Because obsession is just another way to say controlling. I hope you can also hear the idolatry here. Other people become the center of the codependent's world. They have to be loved, needed, important. A life that revolves around a person or other people is a very hard life. No one can live up to the standard that the codependent needs. No one can be God other than God. This again demonstrates why codependency is really co-idolatry. It's a worship experience. It is slavery. It is addiction. It is bondage. Which leads us to the next observation from the mental health experts. Codependents are dependent. Yes, this is obvious, but listen to the description. Codependents need other people to like them in order to feel okay about themselves. They are afraid of being rejected or abandoned, even if they can function on their own. They need to always be in a relationship because they feel depressed or lonely when they are by themselves for too long. This trait makes it hard for them to end a relationship, even when the relationship is painful or abusive. They end up feeling trapped. 
So often the counsel given to codependents is to get out of the abusive marriage so you can stop being used and controlled. But there are several problems with this counsel. First, who is actually doing the controlling? What is the nature of the abuse? If the codependent needs a relationship so badly, won't she just find another bad one? No, I'm not suggesting always staying in a truly abusive marriage. We'll save that discussion for another podcast. Whatever happens to the relationship, the codependent needs to take responsibility for her behavior and the heart problem involved. It begins with the recognition that relationships themselves have become idols. No one likes to be lonely, but to put an intimate relationship above even our relationship with Christ is not loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our dependence is supposed to be in God alone. If he gifts us with marriage or close relationships, it's for our sanctification and for his glory, not to fulfill some internal emotional need. Elevating human relationships to this level only brings disappointment. More importantly, this attitude keeps us from truly loving others sacrificially. Okay, let's go through three more basic characteristics of codependency. Codependents often stay in denial. From the psychological experts, one of the problems people face in getting help for codependency is that they're in denial about it, meaning they don't face their problem. Usually they think the problem is someone else or the situation. Codependents either keep complaining or trying to fix the other person or go from one relationship or job to another and never own up to the fact that they have a problem. Often they don't know what they are feeling and instead focus on what others are feeling. They pay attention to others' needs and not their own. They are in denial of their dependence and their need for love and intimacy. Okay, we've already dealt with the myth that codependents are only paying attention to others' needs and not their own. They do this precisely because their need is to control and take care of the needs of others. But as far as the issue of denial goes, it is more accurate to say that codependents can be spiritually blind to their problems, which goes for all sorts of problems. It is much easier for us to blame others or situations for our problems. So the biblical solution is always the same. We need to help people to see their own sin and to take responsibility for it. Problems begin in our own hearts, our own responses, our own logs, and our own eyes. It makes sense that a codependent would stay in denial. The great fear of being alone to not being needed keeps the focus on other people. If you actually fix the other person, then everything will be fine in your life, right? And then there's this characteristic. Codependents have a problem with intimacy, the inability to be open and close to someone in an intimate relationship. Here again is the psychological assessment. Because of shame and weak boundaries, a codependent fears being judged, rejected, or left. On the other hand, a codependent may fear being smothered and losing autonomy. Codependents often deny their need for closeness, but also long for it at the same time. 
They want to be in control, so they put some distance in all relationships. Okay, this is a bit confusing. Codependents are afraid of losing relationships, but at the same time don't want to be too close in a relationship? That's a tough place to be. But it does make sense, right, when you, again, factor in the control. The codependent wants to dictate the terms of the relationship. So what is a person to do if she is afraid to be open, close, and vulnerable? Taking risks in relationship is a challenge for everyone. The only way to take the risk of intimacy is to be fully grounded in the love of Christ and dependent on a sovereign God. The codependent only appears to want to have intimacy, so works overtime to push people away. Think again about the codependent wife married to the alcoholic. While there may be many reasons why he drinks too much and is given control over to a substance, could the distance and rejection felt by his wife be a factor? Is she more of a mother than an intimate? Is she just his caretaker and not his godly lover? Again, these relationships are more complicated to solve than simply telling a codependent wife to become more open and intimate. But the issues do need to be addressed, and she will need to take responsibility for the state of her heart as well. Now one last characteristic of the codependent. Codependents are trapped with painful emotions. Here's the psychological explanation. Codependency creates stress and leads to painful emotions. Shame and low self-esteem create anxiety and fear about being judged, rejected, or abandoned, making mistakes, being a failure, feeling trapped, or fearing being alone. The other symptoms lead to feelings of anger and resentment, depression, hopelessness, and despair. When the feelings are too much, you can feel numb. Yes, we can certainly agree that problems of the heart and wrong thinking and doing often lead to negative, painful emotions. But unfortunately, this description makes it sound like the codependent is a victim of his or her codependency. Codependency is not some disease or illness that comes upon us as a virus. It is a pattern of heart idolatry that produces thinking and acting in relationships that creates further problems. No doubt that a codependent person will be depressed or be angry and bitter. But these surface-level emotions are not the problem. They need to lead us back to the heart of the matter. These emotions are indicators that a change of heart must occur. So do you see that even a more complicated problem like codependency can be understood and addressed with biblical principles? Relationships seem to always make problems more challenging, but they also are used by God to expose the idols of our heart. A co-idolatrous relationship should drive both members to the cross with a renewed dependence on the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. 
It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.